Thanks, Alfredo. Thanks, worship team. Thank you all for tuning in and being a part of uh, worship with us uh, together. Uh, again, this morning, even though we're physically distant, we are connected with Christ at the center. Uh, we're better together. We're stronger together with Christ at the center. Um, the campus is closed, but our mission of being the hands and feet of Christ, loving all people to life in Christ, relational, relevant, and bold, is still open. Later this Friday, we will be doing our second uh, round of a food distribution. We still need a few families who would be willing to shop for groceries. I have that grocery list, and you'll, you can turn them in at the church here on Thursday morning between 10 and 11 and get reimbursed out of the COVID family fund right away. So if you're interested in helping us by being a shopper, please let me know via text or call the office, and I will send you that shopping list. Thanks so much for stepping up and rallying in this very tangible expression of the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. It is Mother's Day. It is Mother's Day. Don't forget to call your moms. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I'll call you later, I promise. And we've had a banner year here at PPC. We have uh, quite a few young new moms. And so a special greeting to you on your very first Mother's Day uh, as you celebrate that bundle of joy uh, as your family connects in unique ways this afternoon. I'd like to look at Psalm 23. I know we just looked at it a, a couple of months ago. And I'd like to do this in two parts. A gentleman who pastors in London uh, wrote a sermon called The Ten Joys, and I'd like to change it a little bit to The Ten Delights. Now, don't worry, we're only going to do the first five today, and we'll do the second five next week. I'd like to look at the ten delights that God gives us through Psalm 23. So we're going to take a look at Psalm 23, and the words of Emily Dickinson, slant, and we'll tell the truth, but we'll tell it all slant. Psalm 23. Here's the header for the whole psalm. This is the title. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, my curator, my caretaker, my CEO, our, our loving good shepherd who's got our back in all things. And we'll work our way through the ten delights that this shepherd wants to bestow upon us. God makes us lie down in green pastures. God leads us beside quiet waters. God refreshes our soul. God guides us along right paths for God's name's sake. And even though we walk through the darkest valley, we will fear no evil. For you are, and here's a great word, with us. With us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our head with oil. Our cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow us all the days of our life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The reading of God's holy word. Thanks be to God. There really is no better catalog, no better place in Scripture that we can go in moments like this than the Psalms. They're earthy. They're guttural. 
They're emotionally raw. They're written from the human experience. And they're catapulted up into the presence of God. In other words, there is no expression of emotion that God can't handle from profound joy to frustrating anger, to where are you, God, to how long, O Lord, to rescue me from my situation and to forgive us of our sin and everything else in between. I don't know about you, but I'm going to ask a a question. Does it just feel dark to you? I mean, does it feel dark You turn on the TV, the news is anything but hopeful. You try to escape a little bit, and maybe you go click on to, well, we've been trying Netflix, all dark. Even to try to binge watch something, it's dark. Amazon Prime, the list is long, and you've got your favorites. Regular television, even try to read a book, find a respite of joy and hope. Delight, difficult to find. Don and I are constantly looking for pick-me-up movies. We finally, this last week, rented on Netflix a Christmas movie just so that there was a fun, happy, make-us-feel-good ending. Because we're living through a pretty tumultuous moment. We're even, we're even revisiting reruns of Seinfeld. And friends. And the Big Bang Theory. Just to find some levity, to find some laughter, to find something to pick us up. Now don't judge us for those choices, by the way. You've got your own preferences. This morning I would hope to help us find joy, delight in the simple, the essential, What truly is really essential? What is necessarily? And I'd like to pastorally attempt to bring delight emanating from the very being of God to each of us this morning. So a pastoral message of encouragement from the heart of God. In Psalm 23, the psalmist offers us ten delights. We're going to look only at the first five this week. Ten delights that come to us from the very center of the Scriptures in the Old Testament, from the very center of the being of God that overflows out of love for God's people through the millenniums. A message of encouragement, joy, delight, and refreshment. Delight number one. Can you figure out what it is? Once I get going, it'll be pretty easy. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want anything. If I look in the right places for those things that God delights in offering to all of us as human beings. Delight number one. God makes us lie down in green pastures. This poem, we have to remember, was not written in a green belt. This poem was written in the desert 
What a juxtaposition of mixed metaphors. The hot, dry Scirocco that blows fiercely. We have to cover our faces for those that have been to the Holy Land. Dusty, rocky, searing heat. Desert region, more like Joshua Tree National Park without the cool Joshua trees. But God tells us, God delights in giving us green pastures to lie down on in our ba- with our backs and put our hands above our heads and look up at the sky and feel the breeze on our face. God offers us acres upon acres of green pasture so much that we can lie down in it. And if I were a sheep, which I'm not, at least that I'm aware of, this really is as good as it gets, for real. I'm a city boy. I don't know much about shepherding or farming. Just a few random stories from my dad and grandfather that I really have to work hard at shaking off the cobwebs in my mind to remember. So when I think of green pastures, I think of golf courses and center field and maybe a football field here and there. I think a few years ago of the super bloom that Don and I went to, lying down in a field of blooming California poppies on full display all around us. I remember as a boy growing up in the Midwest on a hot summer day at my uncle Emil. He had a 20-acre plot of land with a lake on it, and he had willow trees, and we'd sit underneath that willow tree, and he taught us how to take a branch from that willow tree and make a flute that we would play from. A green pasture under a willow tree on a hot summer day. Another time I remember being in Kenya, near Mount Kenya, in a bus with more people than I can count, and off to my right in the jungle was an elephant cutting its way through the green. When we first moved to Seattle, I remember Don and I taking a walk up to Mount Rainier, hiking on the recently thawed ground. It was August. Notice, recently thawed. I think the ice broke in late July. Getting winded because of the altitude, I sat down on the wet grass and laid down and put my hands behind my head and breathed in the fresh, clean, crisp, baptismal-like air. What about you? Do you have a favorite green pasture place? Can you dust off the cobwebs in your mind and remember that scene, that day, that moment, those emotions? Envision yourself there right now, free from the darkness that hovers. God delights. God truly delights. It emanates from the center of God's loving being to create a lifetime where we're able to lie down in green pastures. I encourage you to share that place with a loved one, your favorite place and why, sometime today. 
God encourages us to lie down in the midst of that place, to stretch your arms behind your head and breathe in the clean, crisp air, staring into the deep blue and take it in forever. This is God's first delight. God whispering to us. I want all of you to have all of this. This carefree life. To have it in plenty and more than enough to spare. For not just you, but for everyone. I've created green spacious places for all of you. Why? For I am your shepherd. I am your good shepherd. You shall lack nothing. Delight number two. God leads us beside quiet waters. For those of us that went to the Holy Land or have ever been there a few years ago visiting the sites, it was hot. <laughs> to say it was hot was an understatement. We walked in the heat. And we, whenever we came across quiet waters, refreshing waters, wow, did that quench the, the thirst. I may have shared this story before, but it's seared profoundly into my mind. The first time I went to the Holy Land was with a group of 40 young adults, college students, 20-somethings. We were in a, a bus together and we went to Masada. It was another one of those searingly hot days. And I decided in, in my infinite wisdom that it would be cool to walk down Masada by myself in 110 degrees. That's thinking. By the time I got to the end, I was parched. I was sweating profusely. And I was amazed when I got to the very end, took the last step. I noticed not far in front of me was a, was a, a stand selling fresh, squeezed orange juice, yes! And orange juice slushies. I ran there as fast as I could. I chugged two as fast as I could to quench my thirst, and I took a third one for the road. Talk about location, location, location. That guy or family, they were making a killing. What a cash cow, a total moneymaker. God leads beside quiet waters. This poem promises us that God will take us to a place where the water's flowing fast enough to be fresh, but not too fast so that we can't fill our water bottles and drink. Samuel Wells says, here is God's second great delight for all of us. I want all of you to have fresh, flowing, accessible, quiet water. I want you to know what it's like to have cold water flowing down on your tongue and in your mouth and over your cheeks and through your hair and down your neck with the soothing quench that I, God, have to offer you. That flowing ice, cold quench is forever available. Because God says, I am your good shepherd. Sean, you will lack nothing when you turn to me. Double thumbs up. Delight number three. Can you guess it? God restores our soul. Doesn't the sound of soul restoration 
in the midst of this pandemic sound miraculous? You see, this is the place in the poem where we say, I'm not sure I can do this anymore. I can't, I can't take it. This thing's killing me. i got to go outside. i got to hug my granddaughter. I want to see my daughters. I want to make sure they're okay. I want to look them in the eye and wrap my arms around them. I want to hug Alfredo and shake his hand. Every single person in this room and upstairs and watching remotely. I miss you. I can't take it anymore. And that's the place in this poem where God says, right in that moment when you can't take it anymore, turn to me. I will restore you. I will delight in that restoration. This is the moment where we say, I got nothing. Quarantine is killing me. And quarantini isn't going to work. Demi Lovato wrote a song that came out in January entitled Anyone. A haunting, chilling song. Asking a simple question. Hey, is there anybody out there that's going to listen to me? My prayers go left even unheard. In the Gospel this morning, in this text, when you got nothing, when you feel like there's nowhere else to turn and go, God says, I'm here for you. I will restore your soul. It's God's third delight. Yes, you'll get worn out. Yes, you'll be torn down. Yes, you'll be at the end of your rope. But God says, I will bring you back to life. And the thrill of watching somebody come back to life is better than the feeling of never getting tired in the first place. I remember when our kids were all young, before they turned 10, that amazing age when the hormones change and they leave us for about a decade. I remember prior to that, they were delightful and huggable and not that they never weren't that, filled with the precocious naivete that makes even grown adults giggle, the things they would say, the mimicking of mom and dad and grandmother and grandfather kept us on our toes. Got to clean up our act, too. They were our everything. They were pure delight. Twinkles in their eye, the love of life. And then that age hit and things changed and they went away somewhere for about 10 years. We don't know where they went. They were still with us, but they went somewhere else. <laughs> but eventually, one day those tense, silent treatment days, those rolling of the eye looks, they began to subside and they returned to life like you remembered. And you realize that after that long absence, they still are the persons above all else who will make you laugh till your side hurts. And you can see with your own eyes that God restored their soul. God did that because God delights in restoration. And there are times even in our own lives where we act like our own kids and we disappear for a season. 
we forget the things we're supposed to remember. We become the wayward teenager going through the liminality of adolescence. And eventually, we remember what we forgot. That God is that person for us too. That life is good when we're with God. That God then miraculously has restored our soul. And the psalmist here is drawing our attention to the third delight of God, which is God wants to restore my soul. To breathe new life back into it. Because this God is a good, good. It's in one of our lyrics that we sing. Good shepherd, not wanting us to lack a thing. Which brings us to delight, number four. God delights in leading us in right paths. You know, sometimes it is difficult to know how to make life work, how to make all the sound bites, the quips, the fractals, the information, the emotions, the voices, the truths, the perspectives, and piece them all together into a unified whole that creates a narrative, a big narrative that actually works. So often there's just too many options, there's too many routes to take, there's too many courses and strategies and techniques, and it begins to make our heads spin. Let's not overthink it. Because the fourth delight here is that God whispers, God whispers, I want to help you find the good way. The pure way, the just way. I want to be your journey master to navigate the struggle and find simplicity on the far side of all of this complexity. God said to Jeremiah, like he says to us, I will stand at the crossroads with you and look. We will ask for the ancient paths. We will ask where the good way is, and I will ask you to walk with me in it. You will find rest for your soul. God tells Isaiah and tells us similarly, I am the Lord your God. I will take hold of your right hand. I will say to you, do not fear. I will help you, and I will never, ever let you go. God whispers so strongly and powerfully in this dark moment, I will take hold of your hand. I will walk with you in the right path, for I am the good, good Shepherd, I don't want you or anyone else to lack anything. And profoundly, the heart of this poem, delight number five, and even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you can repeat it with me if you like, we will fear no evil. For you, God, and here's the word, are with us. With us. Here we face the reality of our own death. And God whispers the most important word we can ever hear in the Bible today or yesterday, or tomorrow, or any other day for that matter. God whispers, with you, with you, with you, with you, you, and with you. With you. Do not fear, I am with you. 
It's the center of the poem. It's the center of the Old Testament. It's the center of the New Testament. It's the center of our entire life. It's the center of God's great fifth delight. God is with us, never letting us go, pursuing us even when we're running away. Think about it. God created all there is, including us. Why? To be with us. God created a new way forward for human beings after the fall. Why? To be with us. God set apart the nation Israel. Why? To be with us. God sent God's only Son, Jesus. Why? To be Emmanuel, which means with us. God died on the cross. Why? To to be with us in our suffering. With us. The Holy Spirit of God mysteriously arrives so that God can walk with us through all of life, even unto death. God saves, God restores, God forgives, God offers grace, God reconciles, God makes all things just. Why? In order to be, say it out loud with me, wherever you are, with us. With us. Always. Never alone. Always with. And God delights in that profound truth. With us is the center of the Bible. With us is the center of this psalm. With us is the center of the Old Testament. With us is the center of the New Testament. With us is the center of the end of the entire biblical text. With us. Emmanuel. And that with us flows from the very center and being of God. Why? Why? With us is the good work of the good shepherd who wants all humankind to lack nothing. What a great God. What great delights. What a great life. Even while this whole blizzard is happening around us, what a great day to be with God, with each other, with the world and with all creation. We're better together, my friends. We're stronger together, my friends, with Christ at the center, our friends. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. May we never forget, may we always remember, with us, with us, with us. Always with us. Forgive us when we forget. Forgive us when Len's friends that first moved into his home with him (laughs) took root to sabotage those two wonderful words, with us. Hope is here to remind us what we forget so quickly. God, you're always with us. That's gospel good. What a sheer delight.
And may it put a smile on our face in these admittedly dark days.